Welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who was once a boy at the high school dance. Yeah, that's him in the corner wearing the corduroy pants. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have not one, not two, but three special guests. First what? up. What? You know him as the man behind Wayne's hashtag, hashtag sign line. He'd like to think that he's king and has his own world, but we want to remind him that he'll be king when ducks get wings. Please welcome back to the podcast, Jeff Johnson. I don't think I'll even be there in line for the throne when that happens, to be honest with you. I think I'm way down. Absolutely. And uh, lastly, we have the two hosts of the podcast, Tune Styles. You might have heard Wayne and I guest on an episode about some guy named, um, what was his name, Wayne? Tom Petty? Uh, yeah, that's it. That was it. All right. So here they are. They are the two gunslingers. And since we do scoring on this podcast, we hope that they don't say, I don't want to fight no more. So please welcome back to the podcast, Brian Colburn. And um, welcome, Jay Sweet, to, to, to the podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks for having us back. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah. All right. Um, I think you guys were supposed to answer, yeah, what are we fighting for? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we totally missed yeah. that stuff. All right. Well, I'm, I'm taking control of my life, so let's do this. Um, Man, you're right. wrecking me with this. <laughs> all right. Ah, da, da, da. I love it. Um, all right. The uh, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but it, you, you of course know that at the beginning of each podcast, we ask the all important question. So we got some t-shirts to talk about. So, um, let's, let, let's start with Jeff. What t-shirt are you wearing? Well, it should be a wildflowers t-shirt, but I went to the website and they don't like fat people. So there's no three X <laughs> in the mix. So I went with, <laughs> I went with something that uh, I guess could be a cousin of that, which is the uh, Neil Young Harvest T-shirt. So Ooh, always a good shirt. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I bought I bought that one as well. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah, love it. Uh, great album. Um, so, but yeah. I, I I hope that uh, I can find a knockoff 3XL of the Wildflowers T. They're pretty cool. Yeah. All right, uh, Jay, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Well, I don't have a Tom Petty uh, T-shirt for shame, but uh, I the I, I took the next best thing. I'm, I'm actually wearing my Weird Al Yankovic uh, Strings Attached Tour T-shirt, which uh, stands up because he covered Petty with uh, Stop Dragging My Car Around. Perfect. All right. How about you, Brian? What T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a T-shirt of one of the greatest bands of all time, Jay and I talked about these guys one time on the show, and this is a band that you know them and you love them. The Riverbottom Nightmare Band. I, I went back and forth as to whether or not I was going to wear my uh, Dr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem shirt myself. Uh, oh, man. If you don't know Dr. Well, I was going to say, if you don't know the Riverbottom Nightmare Band, do yourself a favor and look up Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and, right. and enjoy your life because they are the greatest talent show winning band of all time rest in peace jim henson yeah man i'm i'm repping that shirt with pride tonight well we um so wayne do you you remember what the name of our intramural basketball team was in high school right electric mayhem that's right that's right fantastic so, so there's there's a little muppet love as well there so all right all right uh wayne what t-shirt are you wearing 
I am wearing a newly purchased shirt, a ticket that I wish was uh, on display this this November, but I got a prime Isabel. It says, uh, what have I done to help? It's a great shirt. And um, so let me tell you what shirt I'm wearing t- tonight. I'm wearing a shirt that says, Prine Isbell, what have I done to help? Wow. <laughs> you guys are wearing matching shirts. <laughs> we, we t- You're those guys. <laughs> Holy crap. That <laughs> happened. It finally happened. We did it on purpose, actually. Oh, we, we, oh. we figured, That's you know worse. what? That's worse. I bought them both. Why not? You know, it's it. we're recording this the, the week before the elections are, are set to happen, and this is the ticket that I wanted to vote for. So... Well, it sends a message, and and it is it is heard and respected. Yes, rest in power, John Prine. We love yes. that guy Absolutely. very much. So, all right. Um, so, why don't I get all the plug stuff out of the way right now? So, um, Brian, you, you this is your second time on our, our on our podcast, Jay. Third. You know, th- oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. All right, the damn the torpedoes. Uh, this is my trifecta now. I f- totally forgot about what. How, how did I forget? How, that? How'd you forget the like, petty episode when we're doing a petty episode? <laughs> is this like know, a, a Saturday know, Night Live funny. thing where he gets a, a jacket or something for for being on the the most often? Um, n- n- no, no. <laughs> I get nope. the commemorative shot glass. <laughs> <laughs> no part, no parting gifts. If that was the case, then Jeff, what are you up to? Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm like Lindsey Buckingham on the uh, on that <laughs> SNL sketch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, what's up, what's with, up that? with that? <laughs> you what's actually get that? to talk. Though. I do get to talk. I do get to talk. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the third leg, I guess, of the the rusty stool. <laughs> that sounds bad. Yeah, I don't know. That sounded crazy. Crazy, Jeff. That sounded somehow worse than I intended. I don't know. Yeah, that sounded like something from Urban Dictionary. Yeah, you might need to see a gastro doctor for that. So, yeah. Well, I started doing like this vegan lunch stuff uh, that you you. What? It's called it's called Huel H U E L, and it's like this bag of lentils and tomato and stuff, and you boil water and put it in and it's not good i don't i've been looking up things like can a person fart themselves to death that's one of the things because it is it is wrecking me like just my body is not it's like too much vegetable too much well it moves you honey it it moves me oh Oh, man you guys are you should be glad you're not sitting in the room with me is what i'm saying because it is not pleasant thank heavens for social distancing tonight oh boy so, so are you using are you using your oldest son's bedroom then to sleep in while he's away at college? Because well, that's where I'm recording at. Is that's my office is uh, his his room. But no, I'm okay. sleeping in the room. I'm okay. sleeping in the room. And then I got home last night, and uh, Christy had made chili. I was like, oh, I was like, oh boy, that's like you did this to yourself. <laughs> that's, that's, so, I heard a hot mic. Was that Jeff's? Not mine. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. Might have been. Hot mic. Hot mic. Hot mic. We got a hot mic. Hot mic. <laughs> got a hot mic. All right. Um, all right. So, so Tune Styles, um, tell us about the show. For those of you who have did not listen to the Poison episode or did not listen to the Damn the Torpedoes episode, which apparently I didn't listen to either because <laughs> I totally forgot about it. Well, Jay, I've done the spiel the last two times, so why don't you uh, say something? Maybe you come up with something I I missed. 
Um, I am the probably the least original person on this podcast tonight. So uh, uh, what I'll say is, we uh, Brian and I uh, put a, put together a, a podcast uh, a few years ago. This is season three. We uh, we just headed into season three. I, I think the episode drops this weekend. Uh, the second episode, I should say, uh, and it will. Uh, we're in. We talk about music. Um, we will talk about anything and everything music. Our first episode, I believe we hit on the art of the mixtape. Um, we've added on some great guests and, uh, we're, you know, we're just, we're kind of running with, uh, with some new ideas this season. Um, so you can check us out. Uh, we're on, you know, all the, all the podcast haunts and, uh, on social media as well. So. Excellent. All right, Jeff, th- this is your time to shine. You talk about your podcast. Yeah, I, I have a relatively new podcast called Who Did It First that I host with uh, Kyle Jellings. And uh, we talk about whatever sticks in my head, uh, you know, things that you might take for granted and, and you know, wonder who was the first person who did that? Who was the first person who invented that or tried it? Uh, as we're recording now, it's just before Halloween, and uh, we did a, uh, an episode about uh, jack-o'-lanterns. Um, we've done them about uh, breast implants or toupees or haircuts, whatever comes into my, my head basically that keeps me up at night. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a comedy, comedy and information podcast is, is basically what it comes down to. Excellent. Uh, I even do my own fake ad break where I promote things like your podcast, Ben. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Until we can get paid. We've got 11, 11 episodes in. And so I'll, I'll give the free plugs as long as I can. <laughs> yeah and and this week's podcast um you plugged uh, uh an album called wildflowers i did i did i, I figured it was timely based on uh, the re-release uh, coming out last week the deluxe edition and the fact that we were recording this a- uh, episode as well so i thought i'd throw that in there and uh we recorded that episode yesterday and it went live today so yeah all right so to who all has bought any variation of wildflowers and all the rest Ding, 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 ding. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't yet. I, I, I can't find the, the, uh, I'm trying to talk myself down from the massive deluxe edition. Uh, and I haven't found the other one on Amazon so far and I haven't, uh, I haven't ordered it yet. So I did buy the five CD master deluxe edition direct yeah. from Petty's website. It's one of my favorite albums. I had to pull the trigger and, uh, I gave a I gave a long spiel to the missus about how much this album means to me, and and she just kept asking, "How much did you spend that?" I'm like, "Well, it's more than you'd spend on a regular CD, but it comes in a beautiful box, and there's a book, and <laughs> and I tried to keep the story going on long enough that I was hoping she'd fall asleep, and then I could just kind of wake up the next day and pretend I told her. But yeah, that uh, it was definitely the most expensive CD I've ever purchased, but it well well worth every penny. And I'm looking at the vinyls, so it's a uh, remortgage it's even, the house. It's it's just pricey, but I, that's the other reason why I haven't ordered it yet because I also don't want to talk myself down into the version that I would not rather have. And and so I'm trying. I'm giving myself a little bit of time to to talk myself into which one I want. Yeah, I I bought the 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 three vinyl, so the wildflowers and all the rest. So the original album, and then there's one album that is all of the stuff that didn't make what I guess was going to be considered the, the, the double record. So i got to give a little shout out to triangle vinyl. That's my, that's my favorite record store down here in, in, uh, in central Florida, Claremont, Florida is where they're located. He had nine copies on the date that it came out. I thought about buying it on Amazon, just having it shipped to me. And then 
I saw that he had a copy and I was like, dude, I'll come on my lunch lunch break and get it. So I think I may have bought number seven and he was sold out like two other people came in while I was there going through the dollar bins. And um, yeah, he was sold out by lunch. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's that, that's how popular it it, be, it has become. And I think that I read on the Billboard album chart, it's at number three this week. Actually charted higher than the original Wildflowers yeah. did 20-something years ago, which is an amazing feat. It's crazy. And you turned me on to the Broken Record uh, podcast um, for the episode with uh, his daughter, Adria, who was, who was pretty big in putting this together and curating it. And that was a great episode with... Uh, you know, her and Rick Rubin talking about, you know, the way that it all came together. It was supposed to be a double album and how they couldn't quite find anything that said what the sequencing would have been if he had put it together. But uh, it's a great episode. Yeah, that was that was the one question that I had going into listening to that episode was I, I wanted to know what the sequencing was because I would have created my own Spotify playlist with the sequencing and, you know, you you guys know how I am. I'm I'm super particular about the sequencing. That's that's I think one thing that I don't know Wayne could maybe um, say differently. But I think I say something about sequencing on every episode. <laughs> it, yeah, I'd say so. It, it's it's important to me. So I I was hoping that they would say yeah you know um, California was supposed to go after you know hard on me or whatever and and. She has she has no notes whatsoever of what the sequencing was. She said at one time she did have a CD, a burnt CD of all the songs. Um, which <laughs> yeah. did did she say that it probably it ended up ended on her car flo- car floor right. probably when she was in college and she really wishes she hadn't done that. Yeah. So I think that that my favorite thing that she said was. Um, she said, as, as uh, organized as my dad was, he was still a stoner who didn't label his tapes, <laughs> which was just, just absolutely perfect. As she's going through all these tapes, trying to find these gems, and, and uh, they found a lot of the stuff, I guess, in his closet uh, is where they found a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's the only disappointment I have to say with the Wildflowers, all the rest, because three years ago when uh, they released the song Somewhere Under Heaven, which was tied to the Entourage movie soundtrack, they had talked about the release of the album way back then. And the original description of what the album was going to be was the album as originally intended sequence wise. But because Tom passed, I I guess that sequence was in his head, not in, um, you know, not written down anywhere because and i'm surprised rick rubin didn't chime in maybe if he had some insight but sorry he said that they never got around to that sequencing that it had, it had been decided before they actually discussed sequencing that they were not going to go ahead with the double album so that was yeah so that's a bummer because it would have been nice to hear what his vision of the order of the songs and how it would change the dynamics of the album yeah because yeah. it's it's already in my mind it's it's as close to perfect as I think any album that I've ever listened to is. That's it for me too. I, this is this. I, that's one of the notes I have. Uh, this is one of my quote perfect album uh, collections. This is this would go in that. Um, it just falls for for me. This one falls into sort of sacred territory. Mm-hmm. It's the it's one of those that I'm just not really interested 
in most people's critiques of it, it it's it's it just means too much to me to humor it. You know, there's some things that are just they're special for whatever reason, and this is one of those albums for me. It's one of those things that I I say I would say pretty quickly. So that uh, it's not awkward if it's said later, but the one thing that gets said about this album that drives me nuts sometimes is people talk about it being, oh, that's the one that's too long, and I'm like, it's not, it's not too long. This album is not too nope. long. It it's is not short. A, as, it, as all the it's rest not short. Years. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Sh- it, it's it's short. It's it's actually shorter than what it's supposed to be, but it's not too long. And I, I really, that's one of the ones that drives me nuts when people will comment like that when you're talking about wildflowers. You're like, no, this is this is a really. Just absolutely perfect album. This album, it, it was really, really hard to rank this because even for me, who doesn't really sit down normally and listen to an album from track one to track fifteen, and 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 you know get a good feel for it, the minute that I started doing that with this record, I said, "All right, this is in a category of its own. This is a really hard one for me to rank uh, to to rank because." It's such a good album from top to bottom, and I think it, like you're saying, Jeff, it's 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 a perfect length. If I could, I, to borrow from you, uh, if I could baseline this all at ten and start from there, I think you know this would have been a lot easier. But it's, I, I'm going to get a lot of funny looks or or or, or noises tonight in, in my general direction, and I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I, I'm felt, I found I'm the- extreme <laughs> amounts of guilt from every score that was fourteen and under. And the, the level of guilt escalated with yeah. each number as I worked my way back. And when I got to number one, I damn near wanted to apologize to the song because <laughs> I still like it. And I feel bad because it's like, oh, poor number one. But really, number one is still better than so many other things in Petty's catalog. So this album is so escalated. It really was a struggle to pick anything less than 15 because I love this album so much. Well, that's why I told Ben, I texted him and said, I, I know I bitch about your scoring a lot, but this is the time when I'm like, I just don't, I'm, I, I hate trying to figure this one out. It, I don't listen to this album that way. I don't listen to it. Uh, I, I sit and I just listen and it all just kind of blends and creates a mood. And it's just like sitting there, you know, hanging out with him is, is kind of how this one feels. And my scores kind of are just what they are on it. At some point, I kind of threw up my hands and slotted them in, honestly. Um, It's just, it's the closest I've been to not being able to pull off a scoring. Um, And so some of my scores are kind of no, I don't have a good explanation for where they landed. There's only, there's, there's two songs that right away I was like, one of these two songs is my favorite. um, And the other one is 1A. And then, you know, below that, it was, it was really tough. But uh, Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it's my favorite Tom Petty and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album, like hands down. There's just no question for me it is my absolute favorite and it's not a coincidence that rick rubin produced it he gave me my favorite cash albums my favorite neil diamond albums he just he's able to strip these down when he gets with someone this talented and this good and make it so human and honest instead of production focused it it just focuses on on the essentials of the voice making that really front and center the way that the guitar kind of pokes through the everything's just just really perfect i think when he he takes a really great musician like that and just sits them there and and lets them show their vulnerable side. Do you notice how quiet Wayne and I were while you guys were bitching about the scores? <laughs> <laughs> Not an indictment. Not an indictment at all. Because Wayne, we deal with this every week, right? Yeah, you're you're not you're not rating them. It's you're ranking them. Something is your favorite, and something is not. I mean, like I say, we've done some of the very best albums. Yeah, something is your least favorite. Well, this is among this is among this is among the very best albums for me. That's why I'm saying like I've had trouble I, with your scoring will, before, 
this was harder for me. And I will compromise. I won't say that it's too long. I will just say it's long. Oh, I knew you were going to be the one. I knew <laughs> it, Wayne. Fired. That's why I said it early. I got it out there before I had to respond to you. I knew it. Well, you did. You did listen to the Tune Styles episode we did about Petty. This was uh, yeah. not in. This was not in Wayne's top three. Uh, yeah, I I did not. I have not listened to that episode okay. yet. So, right. oh, uh, I'm behind. I've listened to other episodes. I just haven't got. I haven't gotten to that one. I listened to these two talking to me so much that uh, I'm going to listen to some of your other episodes and and skip their voices just a little bit once in a while. So I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know this wasn't in his top three, and that's upsetting. That's upsetting in a way that I feel like if we weren't states apart, we might finally rumble. Well, so. and to be fair, it wasn't in my top three either. But I think on retro, uh, on reflection, it might be now. Oh, look at that! Kiss ass! <laughs> wow! Wait, what did you? What did he say? <laughs> he called me a kiss ass. I said kiss ass. <laughs> he doesn't have no, no. <laughs> No, he's got a heart. He's got, a, he's, I, got, I like he's, got he's got two I, ears and a heart. I, not, That's what he has. Yeah, it's it's not that it's it's I when this can absolutely I make it makes sense that it would be people's some people's favorite petty record. I don't I don't I don't disagree with that. I just there's a I, at some point I, I in fact I want to say it was uh, the same song every time. I would always look at the the track listing to see how how many songs left until crawling back to me so it was like it just it's got, crawling back to you wayne where, crawling back to you i know and i i knew when i said that <laughs> my apologies but uh yeah it's i don't and yeah. and it and it's fine so so jeff um and this was our first our first petty concert ben this is the first time you saw him this is the first time i saw him we saw him together in salt lake my uh, first and last that's your only oh. this is this was my only time but I, it was I, it, it was amazing we had great we had actually great seats for Delta Center where we actually sat center enough to where it, you yep. didn't get that rattle that you got off of those type of uh, you know basketball arenas so we sat dead center just up from the floor and and uh, it was my first time seeing him and it was just it was a good time in life too I was just I was newly married uh, it, it just it, it fit a, a time in life for me that uh, was I think helps this album kind of hold that place a little bit. Yeah. Do you remember who the opener was? Gosh, you know, I don't. Pete Roche. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. I completely forgot that. Yeah. Anyways, we digress. Yeah, All right. We do. We do um, well, let's, let's dive into it. So this is considered Petty's second solo studio record. Uh, it was released in November of 1994. You already mentioned that it was produced by Rick Rubin. He produced three records, Wildflowers, followed by She's the One, and Echo. And I know that even though The Last DJ doesn't have Rubin on it, it was co-produced by Tom and Mike Campbell, but it was also co-produced by George, I'm going to slaughter his name, Dr- Draculius, who is who was one of the first hires at Def Jam label. So he was a protege of Ruben and his pedigree is pretty decent as well. He produced um, a couple black crows records, a couple Jayhawks yeah. records. Um, if you like Tift Merritt, he produced a couple of Tiff's records, which are, which are fantastic and underappreciated as well. Um, so let me ask you guys this. So you you make the jump from doing a couple records with Jeff Lynn, who is 
you know, a very meticulous and some, some of the, some of the criticisms of, of Lynn's records are that they're overproduced. So going from Jeff to Rick, um, you know, how different is the production? Oh, I think the production on this album is top notch because it's so stripped back and raw. There's not layers. You don't get that wall of sound like you get on full moon fever and into the great wide open. I mean, just from the opening track alone, you're opening an album with something so sweet and beautiful and sincere and heartfelt. And if you listen to that song on a decent set of speakers, the separation between the instruments, you could pick out every note of every instrument that's playing. And it's just simply gorgeous. And that's a far cry from the big punch of the sound that Jeff Lynn put together on the prior two albums. And yet, if you if you're really going to dive into it sonically, where the album kind of starts off that way, and you've got you've got a lot of those down and dirty tracks, which we'll talk about a little bit later as we go into the track by track. The last three tracks on this album are the absolute best way to close out a piece of music I've ever heard, and, and I don't say that lightly. Um, you guys know I, when we when, when you were on our show, we, we we talked about how I'm a hits guy, right? I'm a radio guy, so I only am familiar with as much as as the AOR stations are going to be playing uh, in the neighborhood at the time. But now I'm saying that you know, having really settled into this album and listened to, you get that more slick production polish on on the last few tracks that uh, you would normally get under a Jeff Lynn album, uh, produced album, that's not, uh, that, which is not to say that R- uh, Rick Rubin doesn't know how to do polish. Well, and, and, and when I listened to the episode with Adria and, and Rick, it wasn't so much that it was just production or polish. It was, they, they referenced um, uh, Lynn's perfection and his kind of insistence on, on everything being sort of perfect. And which is which can be great too, and and there's there's nothing wrong. I love those albums, but at the same time, I think that again, um, like I mentioned, uh, the way that Ruben takes Johnny Cash and reinvents him for everybody, warts and all, you know, just a man on a stool who's a great songwriter and singer, uh, or you know, storyteller, and you you hear all of it. There's a texture to it that comes through that you could have polished away and perfected. And it's the same thing here in a way where this isn't this doesn't sound like a bunch of demos because if you listen to the demos of Wildflowers, there's a huge difference in mm-hmm. in what Ruben gets in the end with him. They aren't demos. They aren't they aren't they don't feel like they're just recorded in his garage. Um, they're well produced. Uh, it's it's not a question of of production. It's just a style thing. I think of you know being okay with something maybe being the first take or. Um, you know, just not overdubbing like crazy or something along those lines. And I uh, harken back to something you said earlier, Jeff, about um, how he kind of sits back and allows uh, the artist to be the artist to to warts and all with you know be comfortable in his own skin. So let me ask you guys this: so you know, Jeff and I already alluded that we were in college when, you know, this came out. The The record before this was the greatest hits record, which was, I think, in my opinion, gave a resurgence in Tom's popularity. Not, not that Into the Great Wide Open wasn't, wasn't um, a hit, but I felt like for college students, like 
I know that in the one semester when that came out, there were six of us living in, in an apartment. Three of us went and bought the greatest hits record. And, and so I think that they had a little bit of this resurgence. Was it the resurgence from greatest hits record to this, that you felt like maybe that's why this was a popular hit. I'm, I'm curious on what you guys think on that. I'm going to go with the fact that Mary Jane's last dance was a perfect song for Tom Petty to really establish himself with the grunge movement at the time. It's in a minor key. It's got a little bit of a groove to it, but it's a little dark. The video with Kim Basinger is very nineties and it just, it kind of established Tom Petty to a generation that might not have been paying attention to him at the time. Mm-hmm. And it solidified him into that, into that role where he actually fits in with these, with these other bands where he normally would not necessarily be associated with. And I feel like that song brought on a whole new group of people that kind of gravitated into wildflowers. Yeah, that then listen to everything else on that album sometimes for the first time. You know, I mean, how how often do you have a greatest hits album uh, that has a new song like that that is a ends up being such a big hit and a big MTV hit at a time when maybe your band wouldn't wouldn't automatically slot in with everything else that's being played? Exactly, right. exactly. Right. Yeah, I was just listening to the Cars greatest hits, and you know they slotted the. Uh, tonight she comes was the the one song that they put on um to, yeah. to, to to make us people who already had all their records buy another record um you know same thing with the police the singles you know i had to i had to buy it because i wanted to have um what was it don't stand so close to me 86 or whatever Ooh, it was yeah yeah, 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 yeah you know yeah. exactly what i'm talking about so but but I will tell you that I didn't. I don't think I had any petty records when I bought the greatest hits. A lot of people album. didn't that are our age, and that's what yeah. was so great about it. I've I've since rectified that. So, and I'm and I'm not quite as uh, crazy. We before we started recording. Um, so, Brian, you were you were sharing a, a recent eBay purchase that you made. Oh yeah, I lucked out. Uh, being the petty fan that I am, I did. I just explained earlier that I purchased the five disc box set of uh, Wildflowers, all the rest. But the one that's been on my radar for the last five or six years was the live anthology. Uh, At the time that the album came out, I was injured and out of work. So I wasn't able to purchase uh, the large set. I ended up with the four disc set, but I just so happened on eBay to find a copy that was of the five CD, two DVD, one Blu-ray, one vinyl box set, completely sealed, brand new, the Best Buy edition for the same price that Best Buy was selling it for. I don't know if the guy made a mistake. I'm wondering, I'm waiting to see what shows up. I hope it's legit, but uh, the exact same, you know, sticker price uh, was like 129, which is a lot of money for a box set. But when you see the amount of hours of content you're getting in it, yeah. album by album it's so worth it and and the sound quality on it is the best sounding live stuff you will get sans the live disc in wildflowers all the rest which is the same quality it's stunningly good the separation on a live mix is usually not as good because you don't have that studio magic but somehow 
you can hear everybody doing their thing with these songs. And there's some moments that take songs to a new level. Uh, one example is um, It's Good to Be King, the version on the live edition of uh, Wildflowers, All the Rest is the best I've ever heard the song, better than the studio version by far. And what year was the live recording for that one? I did not read all the notes. I was just sitting there with my eyes closed, taking it okay. all in. I So I, I don't want to say. Because I'm, I'm wondering, I'm assuming Steve Ferrone is on the drums because he, he plays the drums on this record and then would join the band. Pretty soon after. Yeah, because Stan Lynch, yeah. Stan Lynch does not appear at all on this record. Howie's no. only on what three songs on on this record, but um, Stan is not there. So I was curious if if you had Howie on on bass for that live recording. I will have to look it up. Okay. That's the one on this. It's like eleven and a half minutes long, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah, I, I haven't listened yet. I haven't listened to a lot of the new stuff. I've been waiting to get through this episode because. I just didn't want it to cloud my head. I was already having trouble with the 15 songs in front of me. And I just, I, so I've been trying, I've been like, let's get through this episode so I can, I've listened to a little bit, but not in depth at all because I'm waiting for that. I want to get done with this and then stop thinking about it and just enjoy the album. Yeah. The, the live disc is a thing of beauty. It really is. I mean, oh, I it's, can't wait. it's cause they, they, they really opened up. It's good to be King. And, and some people can't stand those 11 minute jams, but oh. it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. it it's, so it just ebbs and flows so perfectly. By the time you're done listening to it, you're going, wow, that went on for that long. It just is that perfect. I've got my Neil Young shirt on. I live for that crap, man. It's just like, <laughs> let's let, give me 18 minutes of Cowgirl in the Sand and uh, 11 and a half of It's Good to Be King live. And I'm, let, I'll just groove out. That is all I'm about at that point. So I'm excited. I can't wait to hear what you think of that version when you're done listening to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the live album for sure. So let's finish this, and then I'll go do it right after this. <laughs> yeah, awesome. let's, let's jump into it. Um, typically, I would look at the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums. Wayne, I, I purposely did not look. I think Wayne fell asleep. I, 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 oh. No, I didn't fall asleep. I, I don't know where it is. Uh, I purposely didn't look because I didn't want to come across as a pissed off old man again <laughs> get off my right. lawn i'll do it after we're done recording all right um so as a reminder our scoring is based on number of songs on the record wayne how many songs on this record only 15 only. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh okay that's not so much a a a slight against this record um wayne tell 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 uh tell everyone what record we did for the last episode. Oh, Jesus Christ. We did Fleetwood Max Tusk. Oh, boy. Boy. Yeah. So that's 20 songs. And um, so, yeah, only 15, which means top song is going to get 15 points. Next favorite, 14 points on Dan to lowest score of one. So let's kick it off. This is Wildflowers. Jeff, 
get us started absolutely wonderful opening song to this uh it, it's it's interesting that this was this was written super fast um he basically said he wrote it in about three minutes uh three and a half minutes whatever the length is he just sit that sat down recorded it um and then he kind of went away from it he came back and he thought if he wrote it so fast there must be something wrong with it and then he listened to it again and he's like it's pretty good it's kind of where it needs to be so it's just a nice vibe to kick this whole thing off um great emotion wonderful sparseness like we've talked about in terms of the production um it's it's just it's got a nice sort of upbeat quality while at the same time it's it's like it feels like he's turning someone loose i mean this is right this album comes pretty soon before his divorce um and a lot of the songs on there have uh, you know shades of that coming um and and you know it's kind of maybe the message in this one too it's it's almost like uh you know turning someone loose that you you had a good run together and and they belong somewhere else yeah and brian you you kind of alluded to the fact that you know you've got this sparseness to start off the the record was do you think petty was trying to make a little bit of a statement of this isn't the greatest hits. This isn't into the what into the great wide open. You know, it, I, I thought about that at first because you're coming from, you know, the hit of Mary Jane's last dance prior to that. And I just feel like when you listen to the album as a whole, I can't think of any other song that would kick the album off in a better way. So to answer your question, I think it was intentional because it's so simplistic and so beautiful and it's such a sincere opening to the album that it really separates itself from the pack right from the beginning. And again, the last time he had opened up a, an album with a ballad was two albums prior with Free Fallen, but that was a big, soaring, produced ballad. This is real stripped back and, and just simple. And I think that sets the tone for the album. And, and again, you know, it's the title track. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was intentional to put it at the opening, but I, I can't think of a better way to open the album. What do you think, Wayne? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the title track is a great way to uh, start an album. And I can say on this one, the songs are so varied that it's, you know, the title track seems like the perfect choice. Um, and I love this song lyrically when you read it, it has, I, I think it, it does have a breakup feel to it. And if he was going through a divorce then that's going to be natural, but there's also a lot of, there's a couple of lines that it almost feels like death, which I mean, a, a divorce or a breakup can feel like that. And I mean, the one with a, a boat out at sea just gives me this Viking funeral feel to it. And then there's another one about that home by and by, uh, just and all bright and new. There's just all these great lines in this one. It is very simple and very warm. And I, yeah, I think this was a great way to start. All right, Brian, I have the, um, I have the privilege of seeing everyone's scores in advance. So you got some explaining to do. Oh boy. All right. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Jay, right. this, this, this oh, is directed. I was about to say, man, my, my score is no, not that horrible. I'm sorry. I'm, I am looking at scores. Brian, I like your score. Jay, you got some splaining to do. <laughs> uh, I, I, like I said, off the rip guy, this is a, it's a really hard. Um, I just, I found, you know, this is my number two, but it only because I didn't have any more high numbers to give. I, I, I got towards the end of this, uh, of this ranking system here and, and, and said, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm literally looking at the sky and saying, Mr. Petty, I'm just so sorry, but it's, um, 
I, 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 to add to what everybody else has said about this track, uh, you know, I, I, we've mentioned before how wonderful uh, Tom Petty is and how consistent he is with setting the tone with his opening uh, with his opening tracks for what the whole album is gonna is gonna come off like. And this is kind of a more gentle Tom Petty track. And I I, I can't say that I don't like the track. I do. I like it a lot. Um, it has that rustic Americana folk feel, almost hippie esque kind of um, reminiscent of, of what you would get if if uh, the breakdown in Ramble On was more of an acoustic uh closed set from Led Zeppelin um but I, it's in and you get that uh there's just like I said there's just 13 songs on, on the album that I liked better than this one all right anybody have any favorite covers of this song Mo did a version of it uh way back in the day in their live shows that was actually really cool they did it some acoustic sets and they threw this in there and, and I really enjoyed seeing them do that because being a jam band, it's it's nice to hear that that it gets embraced in that in that uh, genre as well. Yeah, Larkin Poe does a really good version of this. They're one of my dream guests. I love them. Uh, if Rebecca or Megan are listening, email me please. All right, um, that's it. Let's get some scores. Jeff, what do you got? This is twelve for me. Brian, twelve for me. Jay, two. Oh my god. No wonder Brian was defensive. He had a 12. He's like, what's wrong? I know. With I know. I know. That, that, that was totally my bad. Sorry. Uh, Wayne, your score. Uh, nine. And this is my 13. And uh, leads us to you don't know how it feels. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Turn the radio to laugh. I'm too alone. I guess I should start with Jeff again. Jeff, what do you got? Well, this has become my favorite, and it's one of my favorite songs. Um, I don't know that it's the best, quote unquote, the best on the album, but it's become my emotional favorite over the years. So after after Tom died, we always would listen, especially as a family, would listen on XM to the uh, Tom Petty radio, um, to, to Tom Petty's channel, and and I could listen to all the other songs, and 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 when this one came on. This is the one that moved me to tears. And it's still, when I listen to it, it still chokes me up. It's one of those songs that just kind of taken on a different life for me over the years with, with the meanings of it's easy when, especially like take, take Tom, when someone like that dies to see that it was like an accidental overdose and kind of, of essentially, of essentially pain meds and think, you know, what a shame they had so much, but it's a, it's a great reminder. We have no way of knowing how it feels to be someone else, regardless of the perception. And this guy was in pain all the time to go on stage and try and be a showman and, and to, to do that. And, and now this song kind of rings true for me when someone like, like a Chris Cornell or a Robin Williams, you know, when they take their life, uh, it, Tom didn't, of course, but when those guys take their own life, we don't know how it feels to be someone else. And it doesn't matter what it looks like from the outside. We just don't know. And I think it's a really, it's, it's a good anthem that's that's become uh you know i think more pertinent in today's day and age than ever in that we just i wish we'd all slow down a little bit and take these words a little bit more to heart of you just don't know how it feels to be someone else and and uh it's just great for me it's absolutely great it's the number two most played live song from this album as well uh according to setlist nice yeah that's true 
I, I guess I should have said this was the lead single off the record. It did reach number one on the album rock tracks chart, which I don't know if that is a thing anymore. Uh, reached number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100. And if you were around when MTV still played videos, this was played all the time. But of course, it had um, oh, a little bit of editing to it mm-hmm. backwards joint or whatever joint you know whatever they would do with that right right exactly <laughs> yeah so, loved it. so so dumb thanks tipper gore now we got wap <laughs> yeah thanks tipper <laughs> funny uh, thing about that song i have two quick anecdotes about it okay. i actually have the promo single for you don't know how it feels and the alternate version on that which i'm shocked is not on the box set they literally just changed the lyrics in the chorus to now right no, they say to hit another joint. Yeah, there, there's what? a version that says hit it, which is yes. just it's crazy. And I have this CD single, and I, I've kept it. I've never gotten rid of it because there's this alternate version. And every now and then you'd randomly hear it on the radio, but it, I think it was only sent to radio stations. And it's a really, really, really interesting to, to hear them just go straight for it and say hit another joint. Uh, I kind of enjoy that one. Not I think the, they must have justified it somehow to make it sound like that was a place. The joint, right. you know, the joint was jumping as yeah. opposed to roll, roll. They couldn't get away with. But the one I heard most often on the radio was definitely the one where they would just mix up the the word joint. Yeah, and reverse it. Yeah. Now, and and then the personal anecdote for me, uh, I did one school play in all of high school. You're a good man, Charlie Brown, and I ended up being the character Schroeder. And in order to, um try out for it you needed to sing a song and you don't know how it feels was the song that i sang to try to be in the school play so that song has a special place in my heart and jeff because you're wearing it my notes for this song specifically written down here this song would have fit perfectly on neil young's harvest the feel vibe harmonica and pacing all fall into that mindset it's funny. I watched the video today because, Ben, you brought up the video again. And I, I didn't remember it that well, but he looks like Neil Young at the beginning of the video when he's in the mm-hmm. harmonica with the hat. And he yep. really does. He has a little bit of that Neil Young look. Out on the weekend, as soon as I hear the drum beat, I feel like those two songs can kind of segue into each other. Yep. I like it. All right, Jay. You got some splaining to do. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, <laughs> Jay. Negative seven? Come on, man. <laughs> this will be the last time I pick on Jay. Jay, did you give it a 13 and Ben can't believe it? Is that what we're doing again? I I, I would love to have given this song a 13. I gave um so I, I I again I love I love I love this song. I do. And uh taking it one step further with, with the personal, you know, wrapping my personal experiences into this song is, is based on what, what Jeff was talking about. Uh where my father-in-law, unfortunately, we you know, he had an accidental overdose and we, you know, we had, we had a similar situation in our family. So, um, you, you know, it, it, it does speak to me on, on a personal level and it, and it does resonate with me. I, I swear to God, it's just that <laughs> there are, <laughs> you gotta again, believe again, there are just the, the songs on the album that are, I, I thought were better. I thought that, uh, that, that really did more for the album than this one, radio song of all and and i'm telling you you should really you guys all need to really really accept the like really understand the fact that for a guy who only knows the hits to to take the only hit off of this record and say 
there are better songs than this on the record is it's it's crazy for me all right we give you a pass there was a point in time where i would have maybe felt the same just scoring it um and i i don't know why it's taken on a different different meaning sense and different context for it but uh it, it just i don't know for whatever reason it just jumps out to me beyond the fact because it should have been because it was overplayed or whatever it should have been something yeah. i didn't and i don't i don't think it is the best musically song it's a little bit actually sort of simplistic and repetitive in a way but it's just everything about it, the lyrics, the way it comes together. I, yeah, I feel this is the most simple song of, um, of the songs on the album. And, and, and that's not a knock at all. It, it's because I think that's what Tom Petty traditionally does best. I just think that compared to the other albums on the, uh, you know, of other tracks on the album, this one is my quote least favorite. But that's, it's like me saying that my son is my least favorite kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are, are that out loud? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does your son have a podcast listening ability? No, no. He's <laughs> right. Wayne, uh, give us a final word before we get scores on You Don't Know How It Feels. There's so much. There is so much about the song that I think is even, it does have somewhat of a simple feel, but when you look at the, at the verses, he, he's, he's, it's he's talking about the same topic, but from all these different perspectives, like the first one, you know, ride with me tonight, moonlight ride. This girl, this girl isn't doesn't she's not interested in him and she doesn't know how it feels to be you know unwanted. And mm-hmm. then the, the like I say, the classic one is the third verse where he's, I'm, he's using he uses third person, but it sounds so much like an old rock star who's who still wants, you know, wants to be relevant. You don't know what it feels like to have the, you know, to have to be creative and to have to, to, to want to do this for you people all the time. So he puts it in all these different, and I want to say the second one, uh, people come up, you know, people go, people, some grow old, like, and I love that line about a memory between a memory and a dream, but it's like, you know, you just don't know. I mean, like Jeff had explained earlier, you don't know what someone's feeling. And I think in this song, he took these three different verses and, and spun that same topic like a true, you know, songwriter. All right, let's get scores. This is my 10. Wayne? 14. Jeff? Uh, 15. Jay? One. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> oh, Wait ben, ben, did you maybe not explain to him that one is not did the first place song? Scoring to him? Are you sure? He knows. Jay, he the knows. first place song is 15 points. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I wasn't going to give people trouble about their scores on that, but that's a big one. <laughs> oh. All right, Brian. 13. All right. Uh, I should I should give it a 26, though, just to balance Jay's score out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so let's, let's move on. It's time, time to, to move, move on. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. What lies ahead, I have no under my feet, baby, grass is growing. It's time to move on. Time to get going. All right. Um, sorry, I lost my note. <laughs> <laughs> Are you drinking too? I, no, I was so flummoxed by uh, I won. The, the one that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did not. That's an M. Night Shyamalan twist right there. I did not see that coming. Yeah. One person have it their top score and one person and one person have it their lowest score. I don't know if a song's ever done that. I, I, I will 
while you guys are talking, I'll I'll go look and see if we've ever had that happen. You Jay, you may have set a first. Uh oh. Yeah, we may have set a first. That's a dubious record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I gotta tell you, I'll so this particular out. song this this particular song scores really high for me. And so we've already shared a bunch of personal stuff. Let me tell you why. So in my married life, there have been times where I've had to get a second job to pay bills. So my, my, my oldest son is on the autism spectrum. So sometimes there are some extra medical bills that, um, come along with, with having a, a, a child with, with special needs. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that every time I have quit those second jobs, I haven't always given a two weeks notice. And I can remember that at least twice I've quit those jobs by, by saying to my boss, it's time to move on. It's time to get going. What lies ahead? I have no way of knowing. Um, followed by I quit. Um, and so I know I can, I know for certain that I've done that twice. There may have been a third one. I can't remember. So this is, this is one of those songs that (laughs) is personal. And, um, when we go on family vacations, this is also something that I tell my kids, uh, instead of get your butts in the car, it's, it's time to move on. It's time to get going. So there's my personal story. It's stupid and goofy, but you know, I've mentioned that before on this podcast. That's what I'm all about. So, Amen. And this was my sleeper hit. This is the one that I didn't necessarily recall, you know, front and center. But the through the week listening to it, this was. I just, I really, I mean, there's something, there's, there's something about it. Like I think it has a, you know, it's clearly a personal song, a breakup, and a breakup late in life creates a panic, like that you you know, time to move on. It's like time to get going. We got to, we got to find, you know, something else. We can't, we can't, we don't have time for this. And uh, so he, and he creates that, right. And there's just like these great elements. There's a, there's the guitar, the guitar rhythm. There's something about it that reminds me of one of my favorite Springsteen songs. I'm on fire. It's, it's more sped up, but there's something in there. And then he, he does yeah. a little something that's a little something Dylan-esque about his delivery. But uh, this was the song that, that I, that I wouldn't have remembered if you'd have asked me to name all the songs on this record, which 15 of them, I, I stopped counting at 12, but uh, <laughs> this is the one that I really, so really through the week, through the week, I was my sleeper hit. I agree right. with you on that one, Wayne. I, I think, um, again, this one got a lower score than I think it deserves, but only for want of having more high numbers to give it. It's a beautifully simple song. The lyrical story of putting the relationship behind you, which is, uh, I think, uh, a, a theme that permeates this record. Um, compared to the, um, you know, this is where you get uh, another glimpse of the storytelling genius of Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah it's got, and it's got this breezy feel, you know. Um, he's talking about, like, moving on probably from this relationship, but it's so sort of breezy and optimistic in a way, like tackling it without a bunch of negativity. Um, the negativity would come a couple years later, you know. I mean, he had some pretty serious heroin problems after his uh, after his divorce for about three years, but he's tackling it in what sounds like a healthy way. But this song kind of almost has the feel of a train, you know, like a, like the Johnny Cash sound a little bit that, mm-hmm. you know, it drives that same way. It's got all this great wordplay, the breaking up a dogfight, deer in the headlights, that sort of stuff. And the guitar under uh, the guitar work underneath the driving beat is really, really great. The keys are too. It's just, it's a really good song. This is the first song that pisses me off when I see my score. Yeah, And yeah, same thing here. This is a, a perfect piece of, 
Petty's Americana sound. I really feel like that shines through in this track. And lyrically, it's just fantastic. And you could kind of tell where he takes this Americana direction and, and it kind of weaves throughout the rest of the record, as well as on the subsequent albums that follow this. So this is this was one of the ones that for me was was a hard, hard one to actually, you know, sign a number two. Yeah, I changed this around a few times. So what's your number, Brian? I gave this a six. And then Jay? Three. Jeff? Six. Wayne? Eleven. And this is my 12. And um, we're going to get to the next song. So, Jay, you're going to redeem yourself on this next one. Um, Here's You Wreck Me. Jay, tell us why you like this. All right, like I mentioned before, like uh, this is a, a different album. This is a different Tom Petty album compared to what Full Moon Fever even was, where it had a more eclectic mix of rock and and ballads. This is the first rock track, rocker track, uh, up tempo tune on the album. We were four tracks in. Sonically, it's got the foundations of Torpedoes, but with a little bit more of an edge. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of, of a harder version of Running Down a Dream, which is my second favorite Tom Petty song of all time. And so I think that would make this, You Wreck Me, my third favorite. and definitely tapes, uh, takes the top of the pack on my list for this album. Excellent. Jeff, what do you got on this? This is a great rocker, like you said. This is, But this is maybe the most Heartbreakers-esque song on yeah. the album. It's the most naturally... Absolutely. Heartbreak. It's the, it's not a coincidence. It's the number one most played live song in their shows from this album. Um, yeah, Mike Cam- yeah. yeah, Mike Campbell wrote it, um, and it was originally "You Rock Me," which would have made it seem sort of inane and throwaway. I think that one simple word change yeah. delivers a lot of different meaning and would have shifted my score from high to low. Are you rock me, baby? I would have been like, ah. Yeah. Well, that's a Billy Squire song, isn't it? Or a great white song. I think Poison might have rock a song me, named rock that. me all night. That that one change. Um, and then Penny does this great thing that that imagery thing, the storytelling. Someone someone mentioned earlier, I think Brian, uh, on one of them about the storytelling. The storytelling starts to come through in this one too of that image of I'll be the boy in the corduroy pants, you'll be at the girl at the high school dance. That those characters put you. He's so good at putting you at a specific place in time in your mind's eye, really, really quickly. He just does that in a lot of his songs, and this is definitely one of those that does that. Yeah, and I, I wrote that this is a live staple for a reason. I yeah. mean, this this song just simply rocks. But I do feel that this song might have been written for either the full moon into the great wide open era and maybe held until Wildflowers because it just seems like if you took You Wreck Me and you inserted it into the middle of Into the Great Wide Open, it would fit. And I think it would fit really well. So this one feels out of place a little bit from where you've gone so far. But when you get through the rest of the album, it's perfect in its place. Yep. This was second single from the record and didn't chart on the Hot 100, but it was on the mainstream rock chart, number two on the on that chart. And it, it did get a lot of play on album-oriented radio during that time, for sure. 
because it is what you what you just said that you know full moon fever esque. Wayne, what do you got on this? Oh, and like I say, Jeff stole all my thunder. He had all my comments already. This is this. <laughs> I think this is my favorite song because it does sound the most like uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, but it's a great, once again, it's like a great anthemic rock and roll song. I mean, it's sexually charged. It, it, there's just, I mean, that line about, well, if I don't win, I'm going to break even. Like, that's a cool way to say I can't lose. Um, yep. And it just, like I say, Jeff stole everything I had. I, I One part is towards the end when the tempo slows, it literally feels like they're all being held back. You know, like like when your your dog's trying to get a squirrel at the park or whatever, and then they just let it go and finish the, finish it out. <laughs> we know that Wayne takes his dog squirrel hunting now, so at least that's out in the yeah, open. <laughs> I, I'm trying to save the squirrels. This is not okay. as easy All as right. it sounds. I do not yeah, like yeah. squirrels. Man, I'm I'm speechless after that. Like like <laughs> first J scores and now the squirrel thing. I've been uh, I've been no. catching squirrels in a live catch cage because I've got some ground squirrels that are digging <laughs> under my shed. So my daughter w- makes me catch them and then we t- turn them loose in the park. So. Uh. That's, and then my I don't know, dog tries a, to get him. That is like the definition of a squirrel uh, sort of a tangent, isn't it? Just like squirrel. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Jeff, your score? 13. Jay? 15. You've redeemed yourself. Thank you. Brian? 14. Wayne? 15. And this is my 15. All right. It's good to be king. A sweet little queen who can't run away. Good to be king, whatever it pays. Excuse me if I have some place in my mind where I go time to time. Wayne, I'm going to let you go first so that Jeff doesn't, you know, steal your notes again. <laughs> oh, I'm reading over I, his shoulder. I don't have any for this one. Sorry. Uh, no, this is a, this got a great moody vibe to it. I, I mean, it's got this, uh, it's got just enough sarcasm that you did. He gets his point across without, you know, try without being, you know, cute for lack of a better word, but uh, it's just another, it's a, and the solo by Campbell is just like always Mike Campbell knows exactly what to do and exactly when to do it and just for how long to do it. And he, he just always serves the song. Yeah. Okay, Jeff, you can go now. Uh, yeah, he's right. I was going to uh, talk about the, the, the guitar as well. Um, Campbell is Campbell's phenomenal. In fact, Campbell is the reason why when Fleetwood Mac, uh, I, I was getting tickets. Uh, I got tickets to see them, and then they, they ditched uh, Lindsay, and I was like, I'm out. And then they got Mike Campbell, and I'm like, I'm back in. And uh, <laughs> wet and saw him. And, and uh, yeah, his guitar work is just fantastic. But the keys on this one are so good. This is a Benmont mm-hmm. uh, moment yeah. for me. He's, he really dominates this song, I think. I like the way that this sort of meanders through and then really just kind of kicks in. And the ideas of it probably being like a, a rock star and looking to everyone else, like you have everything at your beck and call, but that's probably not the reality. So the sarcasm and the you know the turn of phrase, the, the backing ooze and the drum breakdowns on this um, and and again, I, you know, because I'm a nerd for this stuff, it's the number three most played uh, live song off of uh, this album for them. Uh, and the instrumental ending, fantastic, love this song. I was waiting for the Benmont reference because yeah, yeah. 
if you listen to the damn the torpedoes episode, man, you were so far up Ben Montench's butt. It was not I love Ben Mont. In fact, he does he does an episode with Rick Rubin on that podcast as well yeah. uh, to celebrate this album, and it's fantastic. I, I love I love Ben Montench. Yeah, Brian, what do you got on this? You heard my uh, spiel about the live version. I'll say yeah. it again: if you like yourself some Ben Mont, listen to this live version. It is everything and more. The song has a sarcastic kind of tone to it, but with the slow groove and the beat, it just works so well together. And to come down from You Wreck Me into this kind of groovy, spacey, I don't want to call it psychedelic. That's that's not the word I'm looking for, but there's definitely something very trippy about the song. And it works so well because it's so different from everything else on the album. This is definitely one of my favorites. And even with a high score, I feel incredible guilt for the score I gave it. All right. What is your score? I gave it an 11 begrudgingly. Your score is good. Uh, Jay? I really quick, I, I gave this one an eight and I, I, I agree with everything that's been said so far about it. Um, but I wanted to mention too, uh, Tom Petty went out on, on a limb here and brought in Michael Kamen to do the orchestrations for this album. Uh, the movie scorer, Michael Kamen, rest in peace. Uh, he, and, and you can hear this song, like you get those movie type songs where you can hear, uh, um, the song being played in a background somewhere of a, of a, of a scene in a movie. And it ends with that that string section with the with the 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 odd notes at the end that kind of incrementally go up, and and I was like, you know what that that's a perfect movie song. Yeah, yeah. Wayne, what do you got for a score? Yes, sir. Okay, I I gave it a ten. All right, Jeff. Uh, this is my nine and this is what they named the tour after the dogs with wings tours tour. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. This is my 11 next song. Only a broken heart. So what do you guys think of the sequencing going from it's going to be King to the sun? Eh. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel as well. I feel like this song is Petty's attempt at a Beatles tune. And I feel like this is the only one where he's trying to do something that is outside of what I expect to hear from him. And that's not to say that my expectations were grounded in, you know, because he's he's obviously done a lot of different styles and sounds, but this one just felt a little too much like a nod to the Beatles to me. And it's it's the one song that I honestly will say feels out of place for me on this album. It's funny you yeah. mentioned the Beatles too, Bri, because I thought that at first, and then I thought maybe I'm hearing America or some late uh, 60s, early 70s rock, folk rock type things, maybe a little Neil Young in there, of course. But, um, you know... 
it's inherently it's still a Tom Petty song, and I think the redeeming part of the song is that we get the that Mike Campbell beautiful guitar solo, uh, the acoustic solo on the way out. Yeah, yeah. So I will say this. So my notes here is anyone else get a something in the air vibe? Okay. So that's that's the that's the thunderclap Newman song that Petty would also have as one of the quote unquote new songs on the greatest hits record. I get that vibe to this. So you, I, I get that you're talking about it being a Beatlesque. I think that he, he was, I wouldn't say stealing from Thunderclap a little bit, but I think having that fresh in his, his mind, that was one that he put on the, on that greatest hits package that maybe he was still in that space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here, here's the defense that I'll make of this song. Um, I, I get what everybody's saying about it at this point. And I do think this is maybe one of the trickier sequencing points on the entire album, but I think it's going to be a tricky sequence to come out of my only criticism on sequencing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's going to be tricky to sequence out of it's good to be King, no matter what you do. And it's going to be tricky to put this song anywhere else with everything else, but it, and it doesn't necessarily fit with everything else, but I do feel like this is the saddest reflection on the breakup that we get. And I, I think I allow him that, that melancholy a little bit because he does these other breakup songs, the wildflowers are trying to move on with such this great optimistic pep that this is the one, you know, that it's only a broken heart and, and all the other lyrics in this, I feel like he, he's letting himself, sort of acknowledge the sadness of it a little bit too. Um, it's only a broken heart is like this understatement yeah, that don't, goes with it. Don't and, be afraid anymore. Right. And and I think there's a ton of vulnerability in this song. And so while I don't disagree that it fits maybe the least out of everything, um, it's not my, my, my last scoring song because I, I really respect the, he, what he puts on this and, and lays it bare. Um, he really lays it bare, I think, on this song, more than maybe any other song he has on this album. And I will say this yeah. with the sequencing part. You're coming out of a song as memorable as It's Good to Be King, and just to foreshadow a little bit, you're going into something like Honeybee. So yeah. there's really no song on this album that you could take and put in between those two tracks and really make it work. So the, there, there was really no way to do that and be perfect. However, if I'm not listening to Wildflowers and I'm just listening to Tom Petty on repeat, this would be a song that I would probably glance over or skip. However, in the listen of Wildflowers it still makes sense in the piece of that album's artistic vision. So again, it's, it's like the lower score I have for this is not saying I don't like the song. It's just compared to everything else on the album. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wrote down in my initial notes, is that an accordion? (laughs) But I did look at the, the credits. So Benmont on this is credited with piano, organ, Mellotron and harmonium on this song. Okay. Which Close. once again proves Jeff's point that Ben Mont is freaking awesome. Genius. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. he's so good. And oh, uh, Mike Campbell plays bass on this one. Nice. So. This feels like a song that sort of sticks on the album because of uh, Rick Rubin. Uh, to be honest with you, I think this Maybe. is a, a song that I bet a Rick Rubin would have pushed him to keep on the album. You see, and I had That'll a note here that said there are plenty of the all the rest tracks that I would have preferred over this. So, like, if you listen to "It's Good to Be King" and "Honeybee." If you put somewhere under heaven in between these two, 
maybe it would work more sequencing wise because it's a little bit of a mid tempo, but a little bit more of a change of mindset in between the song. And that's just an example I pulled out of a hat here, but that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with it. And once, and once I listen to that, I might not disagree with you in terms of sequencing, but my, my reasoning for it with Ruben is I think Ruben really gets a kick out of the vulnerable stuff. And I think that that's, that's where I bet if there was a question to Tom, I I would bet that, that Ruben sits on the side of like, no, no, dude, lay this stuff bare and just put it out there. I agree. I do agree. Yes. So I would have preferred you put hope you never between it's good to be king and honeybee. Okay, I could hear that too. That would be my sequencing for mm-hmm. this. All right. So anybody needs production help, I'm 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 here. Uh, I am on record as saying that this record is near perfect, and uh, I don't appreciate uh, the sequencing <laughs> criticisms. <laughs> oh well. And Tom's uh, not here to defend himself. I will point no. that out. No, he's not. I'm kidding. And, and Rick could give could give two squirts of pee about what my opinion is on this. <laughs> so he, he's he's got a uh, discography. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, this is my three, Wayne. Uh, this is my one. All right, Jeff. And I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I also had Beatles written in my uh, notes, just to make sure. Yeah. There you go, Jeff. Your score. Uh, five. Je- uh, Jay. Six. And then Brian. Wayne and I are on the same page. I gave it. It's my one. Next song is Honeybee. All right, here we go. So a little number we call Give Me Some Sugar, Little Honey, Natural Bee. And I'm just going to throw this over to Brian. So I have the, the, I can see everybody's score. So go, Brian. This is the best rocker on the album. And it's probably one of the best rock songs he's ever written. I, I know that people like to crap on an album like Mojo. And we talked about this extensively during our kind of Tom Petty album dive when you guys came on our show. But People were so shocked about the blues riff energy that Mojo kind of permeates throughout the album. If you listen to I Should Have Known It, Honeybee is not, Honeybee is the precursor to that. It is a badass riff. It's pure fire. I mean, look, on the Tom Petty birthday bash that just happened this past weekend on the live stream, the Foo Fighters covered it. And it rocked just as much as when the Heartbreakers do it. The song simply rocks. And I mean, that riff, that riff is pure fire. I I really can't say anything else about it. It's just, there's this groove that's laid down behind it. It's, I don't want to say grunge because that's going to automatically make you think Alice in Chains, but I I bet you that was in the back of Tom Petty's head because it's in this minor key and it's just it it just punches you right in the gut and it's such a different song for the album and it sticks out like a sore thumb but in a really good way so i'm going to say something blasphemous 
I think I like the Foo Fighters version more than I like Tom's. Ooh, okay. Tom is that it? Rock. Is that, is, is that really available good. somewhere? Do they still have the live stream? I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, I missed it. Uh, I, I'm sure the version for the Foo Fighters is on YouTube because it was actually an older yeah. performance from like 2014. Um, but it was basically a uh, it had re- brand new performances as well as archival performances. It might have been up for the whole weekend. I don't know if it's still there, but I would definitely. It is. It's not there anymore. Oh, damn. I did go check. Yeah, well, I this, did go check. This is the fourth most played live off of this album. <laughs> I knew you were going to pull that. Up. <laughs> it is. No, I'm just saying because this is not a. No, this isn't the song I would necessarily expect to be that high. I'm not going to do this with all the songs, but it, that's that's interesting with Honeybee because I don't think a lot of people necessarily know this song it is a great down and dirty groove um that's what i feel like when i listen to it. it's just it, it's got carl wilson on background vocals which is interesting um yeah uh it's just it's a great groove to it uh i, I think everything that, that brian has said so far is, is true i love this song i really like and i love the playfulness at the beginning the introduction mm-hmm. to it i love that um that little personality you got from tom uh, it, it reminds you that he's he was a person that kind of didn't take himself too seriously. He was somebody that was thankful to be there every time he was. 100%. Yeah. And when his daughter talked about him on that, if you, if you haven't listened to that episode yet uh, with uh, her and Rick, you'll enjoy it. She really has a lot of great things to say about her dad and about how down to earth and how he wasn't the most handsome guy in the world. And so, <laughs> you know, this, is, this is great. And she talked about him, you know, uh, he, wa- he kind of wanted to be a guy who maybe could just go to a mall and experience just walking through a mall without being mobbed. But he would instead kind of just sit at home and read his books and, and uh, watch TV and movies and, and a very normal dude, it sounds like, for the most part. I mean, finish listening to this episode first and then <laughs> go over to Broken Record. I was talking more to Brian and to Jay than I was the listeners. <laughs> listeners would ignore me. Uh, I no, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna cue that interview up for tomorrow. That that, that yep. sounds like a right up my alley. Hunting, I hunting loved now, it. So loved it. Uh, I was glad Ben turned me on to it before this because it gave some context to the you know yep. to the reissue. And Wayne, um, I figured this was gonna score high for you, and you did not disappoint me. And I, this is one that I haven't had. I, you know what? I caved and put another song, the the best song on the second side up above it. But this comes, it, it's just so dark and dirty and sexy. It's, I mean, it, I absolutely would love to hear Iggy Pop do a cover of this because he, it just has that that raw, sexy energy. Because I think Honeybee is not a stripper. I think Honeybee is all strippers. And (laughs) wow. I think, oh my, I think you've ruined the song for me. I don't. (laughs) I don't think it's any strippers. Just for the record, I think it is no strippers. I think it's just a lady. He calls Honeybee. Yeah, the king of Pomona. But there's a the, the, that opening riff is so just dirty blues, and then there's a bend in it that just mm-hmm. tells you that this is gonna it's gonna get weird, and it just is great. I just love this song, and I should I should have actually been my thirteen. You know, you can hear this song in like a scene of of supernatural or something. You know what I mean? You get the camera dollying along with the wheels of some yeah. muscle car shooting down a midwestern highway. The slow tilt up to catch the strapping driver, hair blowing in the wind, wearing the shades. Right? Yeah, I can Perfect. see that. I can actually see that. That'd be a great. Yeah. 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 All right, Brian, I, your score. This is my fifteen. Jay, I got a seven right in the middle of the pack. Jeff. I'm seven as well. And Wayne? Twelve. And I'm um, sorry. This is my five. Oh, wrong. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> I know. 
Sorry. All right. Uh, next song, Don't Fade On Me. Was it love that took you under? Or did you know too much? Was it something you could picture? But never could quite touch? Jay, I'm going to let you uh, start. I think that this track is gorgeous. It's got a fantastic guitar sound. We get to the middle of the album, right? And now Tom is giving us a masterclass in his storytelling uh, superbity, if that's a word. Um, It's super simple. It's just him and a guitar, and it's another track that you can hear in the background of a movie. Yeah, song is just Tom and Mike Campbell on on guitar, so nobody else. Um, who's this song written for? Is it for the soon-to-be ex-wife? Is it for Dylan? Is it about Howie Epstein? I mean, yeah, I think all it's of his the wife. above. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's his wife, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, okay. Maybe it was to Rick Rubin not to fade the song out before <laughs> it was done. <laughs> Literal <laughs> message. <laughs> It feels again a little bit like a breakup song, you know, like he's uh, or it's not about any of them. It's about love. It's about that feeling. It's about that fire, right? Fighting it's, for it, the it relationship, may, fighting for just the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Don't fade. Don't let that feeling fade or something. There's a lot of it on this album and it's and it's really hidden in how kind of upbeat a lot of this album feels as opposed to when you get like Echo and and um, uh, it, it's this is a it's just a beautifully, beautifully sparse song. The great acoustic it's an acoustic guitar number but without ever losing that building intensity it's not a kickback and chill acoustic guitar like it drives it has this driving force to it that's almost intense um i love it absolutely great song wayne you got anything on this one i love parts of it i have elements of this song but i i don't love the whole thing um i love that 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 rolling acoustic guitar riff that kind of run that kind of drives the whole song and then i kind of like the second part of the chorus that don't fade on me when he said with the second time he says it, but overall as a whole, it wasn't, okay. it wasn't my favorite. All right. Uh, your score on that. A five. This is my eight, Jeff, eight, Brian. This is my three. And then Jay, 10. I find it interesting. You guys don't give Brian crap for his three. I at least gave Honeybee five. Well, here's my reasoning. You know, it's on no that. one's. It's no one's top score. It's no one's top score. That helps. I, I have no leg to stand on because I gave. You don't know how it feels. A one. Yeah, in the sequence of the album, it's a fantastic break between Honeybee and Hard on Me. But as a song itself, yeah. like again, there's just other songs I like more. So in the sequence of the album, I love it, but against these other tracks it just kind of falls down because other tracks just kind of speak to me more can i can i say real quick uh no being perpetually 12 every time anyone says hard on me it's gonna make me giggle it's i don't know if it's the comedian but it's the way you run it together ben when you said earlier brian when you said it now it just makes me laugh still i'm 12 i can't help and i truly believe that petty had that in mind when he wrote this i 100 feels like it has to be 
All right, Jeff. Well, then I'm going to let you introduce the next song. Go. Uh, hard on me. See, I, see how I split them up a little bit. Hard on me, uh, or hard on me. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a command. Phrasing. It sounds like yeah. It sounds like a command. Like, hey Ben, go go uh, gadget. No. <laughs> right, something like something like that. <laughs> which is which is kind of funny because I didn't write. I wrote sexual innuendo for Nick's song, but I didn't write it for this particular song. So I don't think this one is necessarily full of, uh, of it. Uh, it, this, this song, the lyrics are quietly ferocious and confrontational. It's that scary calm when someone is mad at you and in your face, but they don't yell at you. And that's sort of scarier. Like they've got this, this calm that says they might just smother you in your sleep instead. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I really love about this song. Um, I've got my top note on this one is organ triple exclamation mark. So that's the same as Benmont. Um, the, the organ in this is just fantastic. <laughs> not not the other organ. That's phallic. That's no, phallic. no. You just I'm talking about Benmont. Many guys. You guys are I'm sorry. You guys are you guys are immature. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're the one with the you're the one with the hard on for Benmont. Right. So. I, I definitely definitely. And you're uh, screaming great. organ with exclamation points. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll never grow up. I will never grow up. Um, no. It's a great song, great guitar, but this, uh, it's again, it's this fighting. This one, again, might be, it might be to his wife, uh, you know, and have a little more frustration to it where I, that idea of it's all I can do to keep that little girl smiling like his daughter or something. Yeah, that's what I thought and, at and, first, too. And someone keeps coming at him, right? And, and, and to keep my faith alive, it takes all I got to hold on to tomorrow. And, and, and you just want to keep putting pressure on him. You keep, in my face and you're always yelling at or whatever that is i love it i love the the lyrics i love the intensity of it it's really good take that forward jeff and and apply it to having going through the divorce and maybe that he's talking about his wife and ex-wife soon to be ex-wife in regards to the daughter here i am trying to do everything that i can to keep this little girl smiling and my life is you know my my relationship is falling apart around me uh, and i've I've just got to keep trucking i've got to keep going uh, the line that gets me, maybe if I tried, I could turn the other cheek, maybe. Yep. But how big do I have to be? How much of the bigger man do right. I have to be right now? Right. It's a great line. Yeah. And it's super, it's just packed with all kinds of emotion and, and intention behind it. Yeah, Jay, I was going to bring up that lyric. So thanks a lot, Jeff. You beat me. <laughs> I have in my notes, um, the first thing that I have in my notes where where Jeff is is going for the uh, the phallus, I, <laughs> I have Procol Harlem. Or Haram, I'm sorry, I, can, I can't trip over my own tongue here. Um, and it's also sonically reminiscent of what Cheryl Crow was doing around the same time that this album was released. So, mm-hmm. you know, Ben Tech for the win, Tench for the win. Yeah, I, I would have to say that this song is the beginnings of the sound that would be much more prominent on Echo and The Last DJ. I feel yeah, like they agreed. really explored, they went down this lane on those next two albums. And I feel like this song was kind of the precursor to that. Wayne, do you have any last thoughts? Um, none that Jeff's going to like, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to refill my glass, I think, is what I'm going to do right there. No, we'll just get scores. Uh, Wayne? <laughs> two. Yikes. Jeff, your score? That's a 10. Jay? 12. Brian? 7. And this is my 6, which leads to Cabin Down Below. Put it on soft and low. Baby, let's go. Down 
Yeah, I think that's a sexual innuendo. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is almost a Fogarty vibe. This this one even oh, almost ri- it almost rhymes with yeah. old man is down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a great CCR riff yeah. right right in that in that. This just has a great a grittiness to it and I can say that I'm I am just 12 and a half years old and I said this has got to be a euphemism. There's <laughs> yep. just no other way. Well, I mean, he you know, if you listen to uh the extra tracks from the live album and stuff uh, on the deluxe box set, you hear girl and LSD, which was much more in your face with the kind of humor that we're talking about here. This one's a little more subtle, but musically again, I have to go back to Mojo. This is a very bluesy, no frills straight ahead, Tom Petty rock song. And I still, these, this is another example I would give when someone says, I'm so shocked at the left turn that Tom Petty did on Mojo but I hear cabin down below and I'm like, that's, it's not that far removed. I'm with you on the, the mojo wasn't a left turn. It, it's a little different, but it, it's a, it's not a left turn and people just miss it. I think, um, could, could building a cabin be like pitching a tent perhaps? Is that possible? <laughs> well, I've had my eye on you for a long, long time. I'm watching everything you do, baby. You're going to be mine. I mean, it's got yeah. that kind of that dark sinister, almost, um, you know, sexual undertone to it. And I mean, yeah, he never yeah, says Lincoln Lincoln Log. <laughs> he, 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 ne- he never actually he never actually says Lincoln Log, but you never know. So who kn- who knew that Wayne was the most um, adult of all of the people Shocking. on this <laughs> podcast? So I'm <laughs> No, that is not the case. But okay, mine. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, should we get scores, Brian? What do you got? I give this a ten. All right, Jay. Uh, I I did give this a five. And then Jeff, it's a two. I, I, I'm running out of big numbers, and I really like yeah. this song, but it's just where it's at. It sucks. Yeah, uh, Wayne. And I gave it a seven. And where one of the comments I would have had for the previous song is, I thought there wasn't enough Ben Montench. I love the boogie woogie piano in this. Me too. Glad yeah. to see him back. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next song is to find a friend. What'd you give this one, Ben? What was yours? I said seven. Oh, did you? Sorry. Okay. To find a friend. It's hard to find a friend. It's hard to find a friend. Get us started on To Find a Friend. Well, something musically reminded me of the song Into the Great Wide Open. And then the lyrics, it, it almost made me feel like this was Eddie Rebel down the road after the fame. Um, and I can say, I just, I, there's a, it's got, it definitely, I feel a, a Dylan influence kind of in the, something in the way he, he phrases this, the, the rhymes, but also I, I think I thought was funny. was a uh, slowly they grew apart, which is right after, uh, she moved her boyfriend. And so I would have thought things would have taken a quicker turn after that. <laughs> Well, you're not wrong in comparing it to Into the Great Wide Open. I think it's a great character piece, and he's really good at that. Um, story Storytelling is, is something that Tom really 
does well. It creates those characters and, and puts them in those places. So the lyric of in the middle of his life, should he have said in the middle of Eddie's life, Eddie left his wife? Oh, do, I don't think he do, should change do, a thing, but uh, I just, just be, musically, it reminded me of that song. And then lyrically, as I looked at it, because I already had that in my mind, I just basically put this aging rock star into, you know, middle-class okay. life and his wife apparently has a boyfriend that she's going to move in. You don't want to be around for that conversation, but I love the jangly acoustic guitar. And this one has a little bit of harmonies. I do think they sounded like it was actually Tom Petty doing his own. All right. Um, one thing we didn't say about production. So that's Ringo Starr on the drums. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't know, this is apparently take four. Hmm. Well, I'll say that this song... That's what it says at the beginning of the song. So, Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this, that this song, to me, and Time to Move On both lean towards that Americana side of this album. But I feel mm-hmm. that this song is the better of the two between this and Time to Move On. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessarily something that Ringo brings to the table, but obviously there's probably no better timekeeper on the planet than Ringo Starr. So maybe that's... Yeah the magic bullet that edged this one out above uh, uh, time to move on for me. Wayne, what do you got for a score? Eight. Jeff? Uh, three. Brian? Five. Jay? Four. And this is my two. Uh, next song is A Higher Place. Jay, why don't you get us started on this one? The first thing that comes to mind when I listen to this track is, is the Counting Crows and Bare Naked Ladies had a beautiful love child created by the sound and production quality of A Higher Place. Uh, I hear a lot of um, a lot of that influence in 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 uh, in the first Counting Crows uh, record, August and Everything After. Um, the drum sound has that Bare Naked Ladies style of. Um, it's all been done. Kind of has that sim, not not the same beat, but it has that same uh, the same voicing. Um, so you, yeah, you kind of get I that. I can hear that. Um, and and you're, you're still getting Tom spinning that golden yarn, creating these images of the end of a perfect relationship, right? And I, and I feel personally attacked. I, I don't know what what it is, but you know, you, everybody's been through that. It's like, oh, you build you build this up to be the perfect relationship, and then it all goes to hell on you. And, and he can, he just puts you in that place. Do you think that this could have been even more of a rocker? I know you brought up the bare naked ladies thing, which I don't really view them as a, I mean, they're rock, but they're not like in your face rock. Yeah. Do you think they could have dialed this up a little bit? Sure. I think if, and and if they had um, maybe put a little bit more of a, uh, a heartbreakers esque spin on it. It might, it may have um, even done more solidly than it, than it landed on uh, for, uh, on my ranking. But I, in terms of, you know, putting it between, um, uh, between time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let, let me think that it through again. One in of be- the sexual innuendo songs. Right. Right. <laughs> in, in between those, you have, a, a great place to tell a story. Yeah. And I, I think it's actually interesting that you mentioned the counting crows. 
Um, Because now that you mention it, that does make a lot of sense. I actually had it listed as it reminded me uh, uh, it had a John Hyatt vibe to me. Mm -hmm. And and I thought it it was the birds. I thought I've I've really kind of heard of birds. influence. That's amazing that that three different people that that's like it's not those these artists are not too far removed from each other. They're all in this wheelhouse, but that we all took kind of different. Because that's 70s with the birds. I'm in the 80s thinking like the slow turning era of John Hyatt and Jay sitting in the 90s with the Counting Crows. And yet it works in all three, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I Again, I think that if they would have dialed it up a little bit more, I think I would have liked the song a little bit more. But I wonder if they didn't want to go crazy because you already have You Wreck Me, which is just a in your face rocker. Yeah. yeah, this could have just turned into You Wreck Me Part 2, but I, yeah. I I agree. I probably would have liked it a little more if it was. Yeah, yeah. I do like I do like the fact that that now that I'm listening to this again, and you know, I'm a dude in my 50s now, um, that I think that I've got a little extra context or, or maybe just um, I'm old and I'm seeing <laughs> things with different eyes, but... I always thought that the line of I gave her my best kiss, she gave it back again. I always thought, oh, that's that's sweet. And now <laughs> now that I'm listening to this, the way that I'm interpreting is um, I read that she just gave that kiss back like she didn't want that best kiss. Yes. She returned it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. Returned yeah. to sender. Not, full not, refund. Address yeah. unknown. Yeah, yeah, and then it, yeah, and then his next line: "When I add up what I've left behind, I don't want to lose no more." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Different set of eyes. Different yeah. set of eyes for sure. Well, All you're right. substantially older now than you were when you first heard this. Yeah. Well, to quote a twenty-six song, years, and, and I was so much younger then. Yeah. Older than and anyway. All right. This is my nine. Uh, Wayne. A six. Jeff. Four. Jay. My nine as well. And Brian. I'm with Jeff. It's my four as well. All right. Next song is House in the Woods. And I'm just going to throw this over to Jay because let me just, this is my one. This is the one song on the record that I do skip over. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going on record. I do skip one song. This is it. And, and I'm, I'm probably going to go out on a limb here and, 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 and guess why it's, it's got that more of a overly produced kind of sound to it. Um, you get more slick production polish on this track, but it's still, Tom Petty's signature on it. And I, I love the harmonies, the, the, the vocal overlay that rise and fall, um, with the message. You, you go into that, that minor key and the, and the melodies swoop down and then it comes out into the bright, you know, uh, positives and, and the, the harmonies swell up and it's, it's a, it's a really, really well crafted song. It's just too long. This one is the 
five and a half minutes mm-hmm. long song. This is the longest song on the record, too. I I, th- I agree with you on that. I, I I mean, to a point, I, I think they could have cut some of the fat off of this, but there isn't very much. I, I Again, it's, it's so well crafted that to tweak it in any way seems like you're doing the song an injustice. Yeah, and I... I, I- I like when the bands open up a little bit and you know, this song, well, you like the 11 minute riff. Yeah. But so to me, this song good. just has a chugging groove to it that it, it, it stands out from the other tracks on the album, maybe like a sore thumb, which is why you say you skip it, but it's to me, it's a welcome change from a song. You know, you're following up to find a friend in a higher place. I feel like it really, it's another left turn that you're not expecting on this on this masterpiece. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, my score matches Ben's, but I don't agree with his take on it. Um, uh, <laughs> so I, I, it's, I, it, it's the, it just, I ran out of numbers. It reminds me of Little Red Riding Hood, Sam and the Sham, oh, Sam yeah. the Sham and the yeah. Pharaohs, which Petty does a great cover of. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's got it's a little bit dirge like to me. Uh, the guitar the guitar in this is sort of almost unsettling. It feels a little bit more horror movie maybe than than uh, you know something else. Uh, so it's it's my one, but not for the reasons Ben is. I don't ever skip this song. Sorry. Yeah, we have the same score, but I don't want to be included with you. <laughs> hey guys, take solace in the fact that neither of you gave you uh you don't know how it feels a one yeah yep. well that's true i'll i will feel good about that like or yeah i do yeah. wildflowers right right so you know i definitely i feel like uh i'm gonna take the the high horse over jay anyway so sorry jay that, i still love you man <laughs> or jay. jay uh wayne you got anything on house in the woods no, well, it had a it had a kind of a in, an interesting country feel to it. There was a part in the harmony I, where it's it, it almost reminded me of uh, a little help from my friends, which that's not a bad thing. I mean, it didn't rip it off; it just made me think of it. But it was one of those songs that I also, after Cabin Down Below, I was thinking House in the Woods. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it just was the one of the ones. If it wasn't there, I wouldn't have missed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. What was your score? A four. And then Jay. 11 and then Brian eight and then Jeff of course is on record of saying his one is not my one (laughs) it's a one but it's not it's not a Ben one it's a different one it's not a Ben one apparently it's a it's a J you don't know how it feels one apparently (laughs) it's where we're at (laughs) (laughs) I'll show myself out (laughs) no 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 no. we got two more to score got two more to score all right I'm only abusing you so I don't abuse Wayne the whole time, Jay. It's, That's the beauty of it. It's all good, man. I, I, I can take it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next song is Crawling Back to You. I keep crawling back to you. I keep crawling back to you. And I freaking love this song. Oh yeah, um, me too. Yeah. Um, I we already brought up the Tom Petty birthday celebration. I think Brian, are you? Are we the only two that watched it? I think so. Yeah. Marco Price's version. 
Oh, it was beautiful. Beautiful. So good. I already love Margot Price, but oh my gosh, that was just fantastic. That was, believe it or not, that was my introduction to her. What? Yeah. Oh, you, my friend, you are going to be, you're going to, you're going to fall in love. Go, go dig through her catalog. I literally sat there and said, who is this person? And I looked her up. I'm like, this is stunningly beautiful. This, this version. She's amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, Jeff, what do you got on crawling back to you? I like the way it starts out with Los Angeles. I love that pronunciation. <laughs> it's another yeah. great Tom Petty story. Um, again, this is really close to my top song. It's it's more of my 1A than a 2, to be honest with you. This was the one that I struggled with between uh, this and You Don't Know How It Feels. It's the better song musically. I think musically, this may be the best song on, on the album, in my opinion. Um, it, it's really interesting. It's layered. There's a lot going on that just comes together without feeling chaotic. Um, it's one of my favorite pieces of lyric writing on the album. The I'm so tired of being tired. Sure as night will follow day. Most things I worry about never happen anyway. And man, do I relate to that? Yes. Like I just, yeah, yeah there's so much of my life is spent doing exactly what he's saying there. Tired of being tired. And I worry about things. I go through all these scenarios. He puts it, he, he just, he has this great every man thing. He's like the John Cusack of rock or something. Where he, <laughs> he just has this way of, of phrasing things, even being a rock star that makes you understand that he goes through the same shit that you go through. Of You sit there and you go, let me go through all the worst case scenarios going to happen with this confrontation that I'm going to have with such and such tomorrow. And, and you fill, build all your responses, all of it, and you angst over it and you stress and then you go into it and it just goes perfectly well and none of the stuff you prepped happened none of your worst case scenarios absolutely I, I it's so remarkable that you you and I singled out that same verse um which coming full circle it, it's echoed later on in in my musical life by the counting crows Einstein on the beach um where they say what you fear in the dark come uh comes to call in the in the day anyway or what you fear in the day comes to call in the dark anyway one of the two I'm, I'm conflating lyrics but it, it's essentially it's like don't worry don't worry about things you can't control because it's going to happen or it's not so you just deal with it when it comes i think the coolest thing about this song is you get that intro and then that beautiful piano um comes in and lets itself build into this beautiful story that sounds almost jackson brown like I, I yeah. or Bruce Springsteen-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the bridge is hopeful and bright, and then it dives right back into the minor key for the rest of the story. Um, it's such, a, 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 again, I mentioned earlier, the last three tracks on this album are just a perfect closer. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this over to Wayne, and and I want I want to see what your thoughts are. So my notes here are, because we just did an episode a couple weeks ago about Chris Christopherson, my notes here are this feels like the lyrics feel like a Chris Christopherson song. Oh, I absolutely could see that. It's got so much great imagery in it. And uh, musically it's got this, it's very, it's, um, it's epic, but some of the lines that just, I mean, cause it has a very heroin. Addi- I mean, at least there's an addiction or obsession wrapped up in this song. Um, cause that, that image of crawling emotionally and physically is just extremely powerful. But yeah, yeah these are, these are, the, I mean, just like my my friend was my sidekick. He was drunk and I was sick. Um, mm-hmm. The line about, hey, baby, there's something in your eyes trying to say to me that I'm going to be all right if I believe in you. That's so that could so be heroin. I mean, I'm sure Scott Weiland said that a couple of times to smack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, musically, yeah. I have to chime in on this one. 
This is a song that I've, uh, again, calling back to the episode that you guys did with us where we did the kind of catalog dive for uh, Tom Petty. I gave my love for Hypnotic Eye and explained why that was in my top three albums of his. Crawling Back to You feels like a song that would fit in perfectly with Hypnotic Eye. And Mm -hmm. um, I just feel that same vibe and sound. There's like sprinkles of the blues in the song, but it's not overwhelming blues like you would hear in like cabin down below, which is definitely much more driving blues Um, Mm -hmm. crawling back to you just has sprinkles of it and it really works well. And it's, it's that bad decision that we can't seem to stop making, right? The whole story is about at the, at the very beginning where he knocked on her door and she shook her head, thought she'd never see him again, let him in anyway. It's that bad decision that we keep making, and everybody can relate to that on some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, to Goodwill yeah, I, and and getting dollar CDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I do that becoming, all the time. That's becoming an addiction. I was going to talk really to you about is. that. It that's, really that's is becoming an addiction at this point. <laughs> I, I'm not going to. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lie. If you and I were next to each other at a Goodwill, we'd both be like, "You taking that one? You taking that one?" Because I, I just, <laughs> I will buy albums in a Goodwill that I don't even know the band if it looks interesting. Because hey, it's a dollar. Why not try something new? Because that's the way we did it back in the '90s. I would find a CD. And I would look at the cover and be like, do these look like a band I would listen to? And one of them was, a will never forget, Sight Unseen. I have never heard of them. I bought a CD by the band called Nerf Herder. And one, yeah, of my, oh. one of my friends said to me, I think they sound like Weezer. I'm like, well, this looks like a Weezer type album. And sure enough, that's exactly what I got. And I mm-hmm. love the album. Um, but yeah, that's just one of those memories of buying something literally based on the album cover. And he's not lying because I've been there in the goodwill with him when he said to me, you're going to take that one? You taking that one? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, Jeff. Um, Last thoughts? This, I think in a lot of ways, is actually the best song on the album. It's just not quite my favorite. Um, I, I, but, but I think it's just an absolutely stunning song. And, and for Tom Petty, I think here's the thing I want to say real quick about Tom Petty. I think Tom Petty gets dismissed an awful lot. I think mm-hmm. in a way we had that conversation. We were talking to Lisa, Lisa Loeb and I, I tried to make the comparison about, um, damn the torpedoes and yeah, she, Dory. Dismissed it. she very dismissed, but she dismissed Tom Petty a little bit too. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I don't think she dislikes him, but I think a lot of people dismiss Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. I think they see him as just this sort of Southern rock kind of, thing that isn't isn't maybe as grand as some other things and i really think that a lot of people miss the boat i think this is a great example of a song that is really well written and layered and and musically well written and lyrics blended in in a way that uh you you if you really pay attention to this song i think you'd have a lot more respect for tom petty and the heartbreakers at this point this is a very very great band and a great songwriter and a great musician uh and i think sometimes he kind of gets sort of also rand yeah. yeah what's your score on this this one's 14 wayne i and you know what i'm uh, this doesn't happen i'm gonna say i i agree with everything jeff just said this could possibly be the best song it's not my favorite song on here but uh, i gave it a 13 but okay. I, I, I totally agree with jeff we agree sometimes yeah it it can it's okay it can happen. The broke clock is right twice a day. The, the listeners prefer when we wrestle, but that's okay. <laughs> that's true. They just like <laughs> to see us in mud. Yeah. <laughs> Oiled up. No, not that. Oh, Jay, too far? Score? Too yeah, far. too far. I also gave it a 13. And then Brian? Now I want to go back and like change my cabin down below, but I gave this a 9. 
Uh, after this discussion, now I'm like kind of saying, well, maybe because cabin down below was my 10. Now I want to flip flop them. But for the sake of what I chose this morning, I gave it a nine. All right. This is my 14. And then let's wrap this up. How close were you, Ben, to having that maybe be your top? Um, it was it in competition. Close. It wasn't. No. You wrecked me is definitely your top. Okay. It's de- that's definitely my favorite song on this All right. record. But I mean, this is the, this was a no brainer. Like the no brainers were that's one and two. That was it for me too. We just have a different yeah. one and two, but I'm the yeah. same way. They, those were the two that I was set on right away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next song, wake up time. Jay, get us get us started on wake up time. How often do you hear a piano ballad from Tom Petty? And a beautiful one. And a beautiful one at that. It's a again, I, I've mentioned this now. This is probably the third time I've mentioned this word. It's a master class in lyric writing and in 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 musicality. You get grabbed in this song by all the feels, and it's just the perfect button to close the album. Hundred percent. This is the only song on here where I'm looking at my score and I feel bad. Like yeah, all the you, other ones, I, I, I'm fine with this one. Yeah, I feel bad. But you, you told me why when we talked on the phone about it. You, you said that crawling back to you that sometimes you stop after it. Yeah, because I'm it like, feels well, like the end of the album to you. That's the end of the album for me. Yeah, yeah, and and I've never felt that way with this one, you know. And I love crawling back to you, but this is such a good song. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm definitely with with Jay on that. It, it's it's just a beautiful piano driven number. Seems really, really, really intensely personal again in a pre breakup way. Um, you know, it's a, again a beginning to explore the end of his marriage, uh, and and again you can see the elements of of how he ended up having a hard time for three years after it too. He seems to be almost singing it to himself. You're just a poor boy alone in this world, like a sort of a pep talk to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You were so cool in high school. Yeah. yeah. What happened? Yeah. This, what happened? This song has my favorite lyric on the album. You spend your life dreaming, running around in a trance. You hang out forever and still miss the dance. Hmm. I literally just got goosebumps reading that line. He, he keeps telling himself it's wake up time. It's time to shake yourself from it. And it, and it's, it's like a follow up to time to move on in a way. Yep. Now, the only thing I don't like about the song, because this one, believe it or not, is one of my lower scores. I don't know why, but ever since the nineties, I just don't like when he goes, it's wake up time. Like, I just don't like that part. I don't know why. Because the rest of the song I love, but just when he speaks it, it just seems out of place to me. And it did 20 something years ago. And I just have never been able to break that mindset to me, which I, which I think is funny considering that your top song was honeybee and the intro to honeybee is what ruins it for me. Yeah, it, it's it's, Cause it's really, the same connotation, I think. Yeah, but if I but if I can give an interpretation here, I I, I think the spoken part is almost therapeutic. It's agree. It's almost <laughs> like 
you know, he's the, hey, you got to get up. Let's go. It's kind of like how I wake my 15-year-old up to go to school. Yeah. It's time no. to get up. Come on. Let's go. I'll tell you. Face I'm on, the day. I'm on your page with that. 20-year-old me did not understand that song. 43-year-old me does. But I scored this as I did kind of the collective of 20-year-old me and 43-year-old me kind of fighting over these numbers here. Wayne, you got any last thoughts? You know what? I think it does button it all up. And it has, it does, because it has a kind of uh, almost closing credits kind of a feel to it as, you, as you're watching the, as you're kind of letting this thing come to a close. Okay. It's funny, Brian, when you talked about 40, what, 43 year old you, you said? Yeah. Is that where you're at? Yeah. He was, he was 44 when this album came out. Yeah. He felt so old to me at the time. I thought Tom Petty was old my whole life. And then when he died and I saw old, I was like, are you serious? He's like 67. Uh, he felt so much older than me all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and he was, he was, uh, you know, two years younger than me when this album came out, probably three or four years younger when he wrote it. So I, I, th- I think that's definitely why a lot of this stuff resonates with me even more now than it even, even did w- even when it came out. And I think that's why Tom Petty's music has really been resonating with me over the last five years, because I feel like I'm in that age where everything he says makes perfect sense. Amen. Yep. Amen. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, this is my four and I hate my score. Uh, Wayne. Uh, three. Brian. I don't feel so bad after hearing that, but I hate the score, but it's my two. Yeah. Jay. 14. And Jeff. I'm closer to Jay. I'm an 11. We're, we were all over the place with our scores. <laughs> yeah, as to be ex- as to be, as to be expected. Yeah, as I'm, to be expected. I'm really curious to see what what kind of how how this album ranks out on our scores. Well, you wreck me is going to be top. I mean, that's going to be top clearly. Well, I have to I have to end with the usual, which is: Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? <laughs> I think we, we covered got- everything about the album. I, the one thing I would say about Petty is he's an interesting like. Uh, it's interesting to me because I people will say that thing when someone dies, like a celebrity dies. They're like, you didn't know him, they didn't know you. Petty still to this day, it still sort of chokes me up or moves me that he's not in the world making art anymore for whatever reason. And there's not many of them that do. I, I feel that emotional pull with some of the when Prince or him or you know various people leave because they're not going to put the art in the world, not because they're not my friend. You know, they were never my friends. They don't know me. But Tom Petty, in particular, for whatever reason, the, yeah. the music that he wrote and the way that he did things, and I do feel like we we lost him way too young Amen. in terms of a songwriting perspective. Yeah, I, I, I feel exactly the same way. I've seen him on a couple of different things on Netflix, and I just look at him and I just, I just, it's like a disbelief. I was like, he looks, he looks so young, like he looks so alive. I just can't. It's hard to wrap your head around. He's the one. He's one like that for me too. We, we're missing a chapter. There was a whole other chapter, and it might not have been rock, and it might have been more him on a stool, uh, whatever. We, 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 I think we lost a, a chapter of what we would have gotten from Petty. And there's a lot of artists that they always talk about, oh, we're going to go into the vaults and see what they – you know. and I know Prince has a, a wealth of stuff, and we're going to be getting quote-unquote new music from Prince for a long time. I pray that there are archived – songs that have yet to see the light of day. The American treasure box set is one example. I would love to see the live anthology two and three and four, because there are just hundreds of songs that he sprinkled out throughout his concerts throughout the years. And I feel like 
if I'd love them to keep this train rolling with anything in the archives because it tells a whole story about Tom and I, and I'm certainly not done reading and listening. That's for sure. Yeah. And that, that conversation comes up about the, you know, they talk about British invasion and the greatest bands being that blah, blah, blah. Uh, but when you talk about the greatest American rock bands, I do think that Tom Payne, and the heartbreakers has a, a place in that conversation in terms of among, among the best that, that, uh, that sort of did that for a length of time and, and in hip making ways and in crowd pleasing ways, and also in some really great, just songwriting ways. Hands down. I feel like that could be a, an episode of tune styles. Funny. You should mention that <laughs> the best American band. All right. I'm going to just throw this out here right then on the spot. Will all of you guys come on and do that episode with us? I would love, yeah, to I'd do love it. to. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love Absolutely. to. It'll be a three hour conversation. So <laughs> buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Let's make sure. that happen. That would be the best bands to come from the United States. Yeah. I'd love it. All right. Um, let's get final scores here. So, yeah, um, You Wreck Me is our top. That had an average score of 14.4. Remember, there were 15 songs, so that's that's definitely tops. Number two, Crawling Back to You, average score of 12.6. Number three, is you don't know how it feels um, in spite of Jay, in spite of most, <laughs> mostly because Jay, Jay sank I, that one. I tanked it. Uh, good to be King average score of 9.8. That's our number four. And then really close behind that 9.6 average score for wildflowers. Wow. Uh, honeybee just, just missed out, just missed out. And that was my doing with my five. So sorry about that, Brian. What was the lowest song on the album? Uh, lowest score was um, only a broken heart. Average score of three point two. Okay, I can hear that. All right, yep. even that's not a bad average for a low song. No. I mean, a lot of times your your low songs on your episodes get close to a one on their average, don't they, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not even consensus on that. I think we had like a five, five and a six and a three on it, and a couple of ones. I think. Yeah, there were a couple of ones. There was a five and a six, and I gave it a three. So yeah. Yeah. All right. We haven't even talked about all the rest. So there's 10 other songs that didn't make the original record, of course. Um, in the context of us just doing the scoring, is there anything on on those 10 songs that you feel could have crept into the, our top five? Would those would there have been some lower scores from that that ten? Like what what do you guys think? Somewhere under heaven would have definitely cracked my top five. I love 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 that track. It's soaring. It's beautiful, and the lyrics just are really poignant. Um, it, it 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 does feel a little bit more produced than. Uh, the rest of the songs on this album, which I could see why it didn't make it. It does definitely sound like it would have more of a place on Into the Great Wide Open. Um, but fanta- mu- musically, it's just a beautiful song. I love it. It is sprawling for sure. Um, and just keep in mind, you you heard, if, if you're a Petty fan, you did hear some of those songs um, because... She's the one. She's the one soundtrack came after this. Yep. So you've got you've got Climb That Hill um, Blues, which if you look at the soundtrack for She's the One, it didn't include 
the word blues as part of the title. Um, California, which is a great I song. Lo- I love that song. I love it. That's a great I song. Hope You Never was also on that, which I, I love Hope You Never as well. That's a great and then, song. And Hung Up and Overdue were also on that soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, if you listen to um, adult contemporary music in the 90s, Rod Stewart had a minor hit with Lee Virginia alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that was a top 10 adult contemporary song. Didn't really do much on the mainstream top 40. Um, number 34. But um, it was number one in Canada. And that, that makes all right. the difference. Yeah, <laughs> I guess Canadians love Rod Stewart, right? Like yeah. Germans love David Hasselhoff. Yeah. <laughs> I want our Canadian listeners to tell us um, if, if that is a true statement. So please let us know. Do you guys really love Rod Stewart or was just that an aberration? Um, all right. So anything, anything on, on those 10 that you think would have cracked our top five? My OCD didn't allow it. I couldn't do it. I, my head was going to explode. I had enough trouble. I couldn't. I just didn't listen to it enough. Now you know I, how we felt when we had to do Tusk. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I know, but I, I Tusk isn't this album. No. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not. Uh, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to being through this process so that I can go now listen to it and really enjoy it. So it doesn't stress me out. It wouldn't I'm, just stress me out. I'm sorry to stress you out. This no, no, no. It, I, I love doing this. I love doing this album, but it was a very stressful experience for me. Because uh, I've wanted to do it. We've talked about doing it for a long time. But I would have just added stress if I'm listening to those other songs and trying to think in those terms of what might have replaced something else. And uh, it just gets, uh, you know, this was stressful to score, though. Uh, It it was uh, interesting. It was an interesting exercise for it. But I love the album. The album is just absolutely right up there. It's one of my Desert Island discs for sure. Um, as soon as I get stranded on a desert island and I get a chance to request some CDs, this one is one of the 10. <laughs> I will, I'll be like, you got to get me that one. Um, so it's right there. Yeah, we have been talking about this episode for quite a while, and I'm uh, very thankful that you guys uh, brought us back for it. It was a blast. Yeah, it was yeah, great being on. Yeah. yeah. Any any final thoughts, Jay? No, I'm, I, listen, I, uh, I have to give you and Wayne, uh, a lot of credit because you, uh, with Brian, um, have, have kind of wrenched me off of the hit radio, um, music track. Uh, I'm, in, I'm getting into more albums. I mentioned, uh, offline that I listened to your Lisa Loeb interview and I listened to, um, uh, her doing the hunky dory with David Bowie. And then I listened to the Chris Christopherson episode and I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I, I I grew up with this stuff surrounding me and I've not heard so much of it. I've got to go back and listen. So thank you both for, uh, for really opening up the, uh, the musical uh, music box, if you will. It's funny that you would mention that because Wayne and I were talking earlier today because we're we're trying to plan our the rest of our calendar for for 2020 and and I'm like hey we need to start thinking about our our annual most listened to songs episode and I'm like I don't know if I have any like standout just songs because this year I feel like I've really absorbed albums as opposed to singles mm-hmm. it's been a great year for albums that's really one good have. thing to come out of the COVID thing. That for sure is just to sit in my room. And um, I recently made a purchase of a uh, a nice Cape Heart uh, console stereo with tubes, 
uh, a nice tube amp and I've gotten that running and I've got my, my 33s out and I'm just, uh, you know, I'm going end to end now. Yeah. As uh, Eric Church would say, I'm having a record year. <laughs> Amen. Right. Yep. Yeah. Wayne, last thoughts. <laughs> this is, it's always so tiresome. You guys suck the room out of uh, the air out of the room. But, uh, I wouldn't, I, <laughs> Thank you. I wouldn't miss it. You should have been on our, you should have been on our Randy Gus episode. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that one. We, the abuse we, we, I take I, whenever Toad the Wet Sprocket comes up. Well, you couldn't have been on there because you abused Toad and that's, that's not fine. okay. No, I, um, I, but I forgot, to, I forgot to eat before the episode. I thought, well, I'll eat afterward. Tonight I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before this. I wasn't well, going to mess around. <laughs> that's good. I was not going to mess around. I wasn't going <laughs> to let my blood sugar get low and get angry at Wayne. That's not a good we only yeah. went two hours tonight oh, yeah, it's perfect. instead of three with Randy. So that that was we had a good time with Randy. Yeah, it was a marathon. All right. Um guys, this has been a blast. For sure. Definitely. Um, and uh look forward to doing the American bands episode of Tune Styles with you guys uh in the near future here. Yep. All right. So let's get all the plugs oh, yeah. in. Of course, you can find us at recordsrevisitedpodcast.com and uh, you can find us on all the socials. I'm at Podcast Records. Wayne is on the Instagram at Records Revisited Podcast. Pretty easy. Jeff, where can they find well, you can find the po- the podcast at WDIF Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, after the election is over, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jeff Makes Jokes, and I'll hopefully be back to more making jokes. Um, and and I'm on Instagram with that as well at Jeff Makes Jokes, and and hopefully I'll be funnier in about a week. <laughs> and then Tune Styles, Jay, I'll let you do that. Oh, thank you, sir. We are at Tune Styles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and we are at Tune Styles on Twitter. Um, of course, we do have our email address uh, at uh, Tune Styles Podcast at gmail.com, and our listen line is 908 975 9375. Perfect. All right. So here's the outro spiel of thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. So go support your favorite musicians with all their live stream events that they're doing. And hopefully we can get back out there in 2021 with some live events. Amen. And in the meantime, I miss concerts. Me too. too. Oh my gosh. Um, Buy a t-shirt of the band or, um, you know, your ticket that you really want, like Prine Isbell. Be sure to buy a record. If you can find wildflowers, for instance, and we are records revisited and we are out. out.